Faith Forward podcast series. Faith Forward is a nonprofit organization dedicated to bringing together children's and youth ministry leaders for collaboration, resourcing, and inspiration toward innovative theology and practice. In this podcast episode, you'll hear from Lily Lewin, who will share with us about worship, creativity, and curating sacred space with young people. So welcome everyone to the Faith Forward podcast series. Uh, I'm Dave Sinis. I'm the founder and president of Faith Forward, and I'm excited to be here today with Lily Lewin. Uh, Lily's a worship curator. She's the founder of Thin Space, uh, which is a pilgrimage of discovery and creativity. And one of Lily's passions is to help people of all ages experience God and God's story um, by helping communities move outside of their kind of the, the common boxes that we use for worship. So instead of just simply worshiping through song, uh, you'll find Lily helping congregations engage in worship through multi-sensory prayer, art, contemplation, and all sorts of different um, creative experiential activities. And I'm happy to say Lily is a member of the Faith Forward team. So those of you who were at our 2014 gathering in Nashville will remember uh, the room that we had set up as sacred space. And so really Lily is the person to thank for this. Uh, She curated this space and she changed this typical, if not dated, uh, church (laughs) parlor into a space that was filled with uh, prayer experiences and opportunities to have firsthand encounters with God. Uh, And she's reprising this role as worship uh, or sacred space curator at Faith Forward 2015 in Chicago, which will be April 20th to the 23rd. And you can find out more about that at our website, faith-forward.net. So Lily, thanks for joining me today. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I was hoping we could start if you could tell me just a little bit about how you got started with this whole idea of of creating sacred space. Well, I'm... Back in 2001, I was working at an Episcopal church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Rite One, which is the most formal of all Episcopal services, was our main service, and people just weren't connecting, especially students weren't connecting with the format. So I was like, and I had been at a contemporary church before that, and where we threw out all the symbols. So we had this great liturgy and beautiful, beautiful space, and no one knew why they did what they did. And then in the contemporary church, we'd thrown out all the symbols, so we didn't have anything to to look at or except for on a screen. Um, So I heard about this creative stuff that was happening in the Church of England and went over to the UK to see what was happening in the alternative community, alternative worship community. And like this really resonated with me personally, and I thought it really resonated with my students because they didn't know, you know, Dave Crowder from anyone else that was more the hits of the 1650s. So I was like, there's got to be something else happening. And I've always been a tactile person, and I think I've always been a person who learned uh, in a different way. So one of the things that sacred space does and experiential learning does is bring all the different learning styles together versus just auditory learning, which worship as singing would be or talking at you, which is a lot what church is. So in 2001, we started a service called Sacred Space where the sermon or the talk um, We'd introduce the scripture passage of the day, but then we'd go interact with it in prayer stations. So we built a plane and flew it at the same time that year. But each week we would come in and listen to the passage of scripture, and then we'd engage in it in prayer stations. So that's how I began. Um, 
So we started, um, we started actually with a prayer room. And most kids don't like to sing, especially seventh and eighth grade boys. And they, but they do like to and need to know how to engage God. So worship beyond singing and beyond talking at you, um, beyond auditory learning to tactile and multisensory is a really great way for people to engage. So we started with a prayer room. Um, we took a wall in the in this room and put made, put butcher paper all over it and made it a wailing wall. We had our youth ministry at that point was called Oasis, and so we had a, a, a fountain in the middle of the room and some sand that you could play in. And the end of our youth group time for the first, I guess, three or four months of doing this, last 15 minutes of youth group, whatever else we did, we'd stop and we'd go up to this prayer room and I'd say, okay, when you hear a song that has words in it, then that's our ending of our time. But you have this 15-minute time to be um, just present with God um, in space. And a lot of times they didn't want to leave. They would, they would just stay and they'd keep writing their prayers on the wall. And mm. so it was pretty powerful. So I didn't know this, but so it really started as uh, an initiative for youth, for students. Yeah, yeah. That's how I really started it um, because... You know, I didn't, the students just that I had weren't engaging in regular worship in the more on Sunday morning. They, they got paid to acolyte some of them and they would sing in the choir, but they just weren't participating. And part of experiential worship in sacred space is about participation. Um, they get to do on their own terms and the Holy Spirit becomes the teacher. So we began sacred space, the worship service as a youth service. And then we, then it expanded because people got excited about older older people in the church and some parents and ended up being a family everybody you know all ages from like 4 years old to 80 wow. years that's how it that's how it progressed so it ended up becoming like a a, a multi-age intergenerational yeah, very much setting very much so what actually I hear a lot about uh, intergenerational ministry people are uh, really wanting to, to figure out a way to do intergenerational ministry and intergenerational formation, but there's not a lot out there. Can you talk about how Sacred Space can can be one of those resources for intergeneration? Yeah, intergenerational so, ministry? so Sacred Space was a worship service at one point, and then Sacred Space, another definition would be creating a prayer experience where anybody could come. Um, so, for example, we had a thing called Journey to the Cross at Easter, and we had one about we had one also since we're in Advent right now, um, one for Advent where we opened it up in the evening from like seven to nine, and it was come anytime during that time, and the youth group actually hosted it, uh, so somebody would be there and an adult would be there, but then you could come and bring your friends or whatever age group of people and just participate in the prayer experience, um, which is a great outreach to the rest of the community too, not just people who would come to church. But all all we said was you just needed to come with you know, to be present with God and also if you brought kids that they, you read with them. So the only negative about the way I do sacred space is it involves, sometimes involves reading, most of the time involves reading. So the pair, people would pair up with their kids and do it with their yeah. kids. And it was really powerful. In fact, just even this week, um, a friend of mine is doing some prayer stations at her church here in Nashville. And she said the the parents who did it with their kids were just you know, totally blown away about the engagement that their kids got out of it. And parents got to see that too. So it's, it's a thing that both and, you know, both adults and kids and students, youth can participate in all at the same time. And because the Holy Spirit's a the teacher, they're going to get what they need out of it. 
So the Holy Spirit's the teacher. That that <laughs> seems a little scary in some ways because you have to really relinquish. Uh, as a as a teacher and a leader, you have to relinquish control over what you're trying to 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 impart to young people, really. And I think that's probably the hardest part for some people is to let go. Um, and it's also scary for some leaders because you're worried about what they're really going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the stations that I create are based off of scripture and based off a passage or based off a theme from scripture. So they can see how it relates to that. And I ask a lot of questions. So they're able to answer that and respond to the book, um, and the story. So you get a lot of times in church, we get a sermon or a talk, but we don't, no one is invited to respond in any way. Um, So the beautiful thing about a sacred space station or a sacred space experience is you're asking people for their personal response um, and participation. So, and it hits, um, the questions will hit you wherever you are on your journey. Hmm. So you've been talking about some of these practices. Can you describe, uh, I mean, I was lucky enough to, to see some of these spaces at different events that you've, you've led them at. But for people who haven't uh, been able to experience that, what are some of the practices that you've done? Sure. Um, well, an example, I, I fly a lot to different places to create these spaces. So when people say, well, what do you mean when you say a, an experiential station or a prayer station or, or a process? And I, the best one is um, when Jesus asked Peter to come follow him and be a fisher of people. I, I've inflated a raft into the middle of a, of a prayer space, and you actually had to stand in the boat um, and think about the signs were around the actual edge of this of this raft, and you had to think, would I would I get out and follow Jesus? What would stop me from following Jesus? What are the blocks that I have, uh, mm-hmm. fears that I have that keep me in the boat? And so you had to you know stand there in the boat and actually consider that. Then if you're willing to get out, then the next station was um, a basket that had goldfish crackers in it. And so, am I willing to to make a commitment to get out of the boat? and follow God. So and you take a handful of goldfish crackers if you're willing and you eat the goldfish crackers. The wow. next question would be, so Jesus has invited you to be a fisher of people, so who are the people in your life who need to be caught in the net of God's love? So there's a fish net and then I ran off on really bright paper outlines of fish and you wrote the people's names on the fish that needed to be caught in God's net and mm. then you put the net, the fish back in the net and so that's told the story. You basically were reenacting the story of Jesus calling Peter to come follow him. Um, but in something you would remember, and hopefully the next time you saw goldfish crackers, the Petrich Farm kind, in the grocery store, um, or somebody served them as a snack food, they wouldn't just be a snack food, it would actually be a symbol of following Jesus. Oh, I love that. So you're, you're taking everyday, everyday uh, experiences and everyday objects and infusing them with this sacred meaning that, that calls to, you know, is called to mind in the young people as exactly. they uh, continue on. Wow. Because you remember much more what you do than what you hear. So you definitely would remember standing in a boat thinking about it um, versus just hearing about it. I, I know you've done this in congregations. What about for families? Do you think that there's a way of uh, that families can do this kind of thing in, in their homes? Phyllis Tickle said something at Faith Forward um, last year, in fact, about the family ritual and the family story time. Um, and the church year is a beautiful picture that we keep telling the story over and over again. Right. Um, but too often we think that that's going to happen at Sunday school or church, whereas how do we put that 
you know, back into practice at, you know, around the table. So I, I have a thing I call, talk about the coffee table gospel, where how are we going to do something that could happen at your t dining room table or around your coffee table to respond to a story or, or tell the story? Um, I think the Advent wreath is a good way to do that, um, in lighting the Advent wreath as a family mm -hmm. or coming up with a, something touchable, tactile, um, responsive, kind of like the goldfish that you remember and take away. Um, we used to use thing, something like that, Lent, like pretzels. The pretzel was created as a prayer thing during Lent. And so had a, prayer, had a pretzel by each person's place setting at, um, during Lent to remind you of, of praying. Um, so, so easy things that could, you could do to just remember, to remind you of, of the story or remind you to pray. Um, something simple as post-it notes in a windowsill um, to remind you to pray for people. That's my prayer practice personally um, in my kitchen is having a post-it note prayer window kind of stained wow. glass to pray for people who've asked me to pray for them. Because I um, hate washing dishes, so that makes it even <laughs> better. Right. I, uh, I mean, I love the idea that, that you're saying this isn't, like I'm hearing you say this isn't difficult. This isn't about adding more work. That's one of the things I find with a lot of a lot of us who are in ministry, um, in, in con people in congregations especially, it's, you know, families are busy enough. You know, how do we get them to buy into the importance of this kind of stuff? Well, I think one thing is making sacred space something that isn't about adding more to their to-do list because right. people are already so busy. So I love, I love being, the fact that it's, it's, more it's intentional. doable. Yeah, I think it's being more intentional to, yeah. with what to do. Um, you know, even as some, with my youth kids, I used to give them toothbrushes and Sharpie markers. And so you're supposed to brush your teeth twice a day. So I'd have them, who are people in your life who need, who need Jesus or somebody who needs healing or whatever, and you'd write their names on a toothbrush in Sharpie, like on the handle. Mm -hmm. And then pray for those people when you brush your teeth every day. So wow. you'd have two, three friends written on your toothbrush handle, and so twice a day you'd pray for those people. And it's just building in those practices that are not hard, but you have to be more intentional about it. This, this all kind of leads to uh, one of the questions I, I, that I, I uh, got on Facebook to ask you. I, so before we sat down, I put something on Twitter and Facebook uh, on our Faith Forward channels that um, you and I are going to be talking and what kind of questions do people want to, to hear you respond to. And one of them is uh, about how, this is from Adele, uh, how do you get youth even interested in sacred space uh, when they seek busyness and, and non-stop life. So I think the big thing is they really do want to be still, they just don't know how and they probably never experienced it. Hmm. Um, so creating an opportunity for them to experience a sacred space environment first um, will help them want more of it. Um, they, for example, something as simple as changing the, the light in your space um, when we did the sacred space as a service, we would have that worship time down the hall in the chapel, and then we'd bring, you know, at the end of that, you'd say, go, you can go down to the youth room and have food, and kind of the rah-rah time was down the hall. So we kind of separated the space that way. Also, you can say by changing the lighting or the music um, in a room, just by lighting a candle, that can change the whole atmosphere and, and bring it to more of a quiet setting. But kids of all ages, students of all ages, will participate if we tell them what to do. Um, right. I was, in fact, I was doing a sacred space room for a friend of mine who's, who's a youth pastor at a church. They were it was a lock-in setting, and they were playing volleyball and in the gym and doing all this other stuff. 
and they'd never done this before. So I set up the room, and it was all prayer stations based on, um, it was the season of Lent, and it was called the Lenten Hobo Honeymoon. It was falling in love with Jesus for 40 days before, before Easter. So I met them at the door. I said, okay, guys, we're taking off our shoes, um, and this is sacred space. This is your time to be with Jesus, just you and Jesus. I said, you're going to have much more time to be with your friends, but this is your time to just be with God. So honor that. It's your time. We're going to be in silence. And so there's backdrop music playing. They all stopped at the door. This is a big group of people, too. And I said, and when you hear a, mu a song with words in it, we'll all sit down. We'll close the time together. So they took off their shoes at the door. They walked into this room that was dark, not dark, dark, but dim. There were lights or candles. And I said, just go to any station that you want that, you know, there's not, there wasn't an order. So they all came in and they did, um, they did the stations and we heard a song that they had words in it. We all sat down and we closed the time together in prayer and a song we sang together. And their youth pastor was blown away because she couldn't believe they could transition from the crazy, you know, being in the gym time to coming in and being still. Um, but we talked, we, we just set it up so that they knew what they were doing and it wasn't going to be forever. And, um, there was enough to do also in the space that if you were more ADD, you didn't have to stay at just one space. And there were, and there was other things to do in that space. That, that actually kind of brings us to another question uh, from Jamie. Uh, he says, I know uh, Jamie works more with children. He says, in the conversation around sacred space, I found varying views on the importance of kids maintaining silent focus versus absolute freedom. What do you okay. think is the happy medium between having spaces of silence and contemplation and having spaces of controlled chaos? <laughs> or, or he says, rather, is a happy medium necessary? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I've done a lot of controlled chaos. Um, when I used to do it with kids, because I was the Christian formation director, so I, had, I did kids and youth, and, and as we said, sacred space became a combination kind of service. Um, I think there's space to have it where I've done it where people have gone in groups and done stations together. It was still an attitude of quiet and calm, though, because I think... Um, too much rowdiness is, I mean, there's a time for rowdiness and there's a time for creativity and rowdiness, but I wouldn't say that that was my sacred space time so much. Um, I would say that we need to help them focus. It doesn't have to be totally, you know, flat silence if you got younger kids in there, because that's not, that's almost impossible, but they can practice being more quiet and more focused and honoring of each other's space. Um, just like we use inside voices, you know, we tell our kids to use inside voices. We can kind of create that space. I kind of see where where Jamie's coming from. I mean, the way I'm kind of re reading between the lines of his question is, um, I mean, when I was on staff as a as a children's pastor, there's so much. When it comes to children's ministry, there's often um, such an emphasis uh, in mainstream children's ministry on making things be fun, and right. fun often means. Um, you know, making it ex fun in like a, in an entertainment industry kind of version of fun. And right. one thing I've often, often tried to, you know, help people see is, uh, is it really about fun? Isn't there, you know, it's almost like, well, if it's not fun, it's boring, but isn't there more <laughs> that it could be rather than boring, but still not just, you know, our kind of yeah. common notions of what's fun. Because I think the thing with entertainment, it's, it's back to participation. So, um, cause I've worked at big churches, contemporary churches where 
the contempt the kids ministry looked like a, just a smaller version of the big church. So it was okay. like like chorus singing and then videos and there was too many people to have small group. Kind of, so it was more of a audience. You the students or kids in the in were audience members. They weren't participants. So I think that for me, where we are as a culture, because everybody has a has a cell phone, we're not little kids, hopefully, but we're used to participating now. Instant mm -hmm. answer. You know, we, could, we could Google it. So to me, we got to go. We got to start talking about how do we how do we help students of all ages and adults too know how to participate in a worship gathering versus just be the audience um, and. We're entertained to death. You can get entertainment anywhere, but you can't get practices and quiet and focusing on God anywhere. That's what the church does best. And that's what we that's what we're called to do. So I think that's the difference in entertainment land. Um, and I think there's a place for fun and there's a place we, God isn't boring. So the to keep church less boring is to make it participatory and interactive. Um, and giving students a way that they can help create along with to kind of be co-creators too. Mm -hmm. In the process of creating a station, in, especially back when we did the sacred space worship, my students created things I would have never thought of. So, so that's, you know, that's the way to start. You know, the, the long-term goal would be to help them help create the process. So it, what I'm hearing you say is at the beginning, if we're just starting out doing this, there is some, there is a sense of a learning curve, though. Oh, yeah. You know, especially young people, you're saying they might not even know right now that they that they need that kind of space. But eventually, you, I mean, you've seen it come around so that young people start creating the space for themselves and start, yes. you know, helping one another cultivate those those creative very, spaces. Very definitely. And I think the other the other piece to it is um, like we talked about with the family setting is building a toolbox for, and this is one of the things that I, I, I'm starting to talk more and more in my workshops about, is developing a toolbox for yourself and as a, as a pastor or as a leader, and also a toolbox for your students to have with them when they get out of church and they go to a college setting where they don't have a youth pastor or they don't have a church. How am I going to have a life with Jesus? So if they have right. prayer purposes um, and if they have a toolbox of things, this is how I engage God. Um, whether it's through art or journaling or taking a walk, um, how, you know, even if it's a, it's doing a craft or a, a, you know, running something that how they engage God, then that's their that's part of their toolbox to be to have a relationship with Jesus. There's one other question um, that I, I want to ask from our Facebook page uh, from Adam. He talks about uh, as a youth pastor, I know there's inevitably one child who seems to be the odd person out of the group. Uh, and he or she may even be, take on the uh, the role of the scapegoat for the group. So what are some strategies with dealing with that kind of situation if it arises in, with sacred space? Well, one of the things, um, in, in, in a sacred space prayer room, for example, there's always a chill space where someone can go just rest and be with God. Um, there's always an art table or an art response station, um, and there's always a way to confess. And that's not answering the question about the person who's odd man out. But it does give different things for people to do, it, even if they didn't have like this chill space and the art station, even if they had no relationship with God at all, mm -hmm. it would be a place to just go and be. Um, when we did it as a worship service, I never made anybody get up and interact with anything. 
Um, I used to have on the screen different photos um, or slides that related to the topic we were doing. So you could actually just sit and watch those rather than get up and participate in the stations. And there were always art supplies in the room. So, uh, and sometimes I just even passed them out so that you could do, because a lot of times people want to do doodle and, and that's responsive. Right. So, um, so it's helping, um, so in that way, everybody gets to participate in the way they can. Um, for an odd person out, um, who might not be ready to engage, a lot of times I would invite that person to instigate something. Like if it was a worship setting, it might be handing out the handing out a flyer or handing out, you know, if there was a handout to have. Um, or how could I have them help lead something or, you know, create something if there was a way to do that um, before or after. Um, tear, even if it's just tearing down. I mean, that's part of sacred spaces is, is setting up and tearing down. So I might invite right. that person to be a part of the team of the team that did that. Um, those are just off the top of my head. <laughs> Great. So, in, speaking of setting up and, and tearing down, uh, I'm I'm really excited that you are going to be doing uh, some sacred space at Faith Forward 2015. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how that's going to be set up and, and what, uh, what can we expect from Sacred Space at Faith Forward 2015? Well, I'm really excited to be there too and I'm glad it's going to be in Chicago. Um, so that'll be really fun. Uh, Sacred Space is always a place where you can come and just be with God. Um, we also do um, morning prayer, midday prayer in Compline. So there's a time to set aside to pray at the beginning of the day, midday, and right before we go to dinner. So that's a great time to just take a pause in the day. Um, the other thing is we're so busy and we're so good at, um, at absorbing information and getting more ideas, but we're not really good at filling our cups back up. So the beautiful thing about the sacred space room will be a place where you can come and just be with God um, and get your cup filled up and just be present a little more so you can go keep pouring it out to your communities back at home. Great. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm going to be uh, definitely taking advantage of that and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to just having some space to get my cup filled. <laughs> okay, good. So um, that's, we're, we're out of time, uh, but I want to thank you so much for being part of uh, this conversation today and, uh, and you know, being part of the Faith Forward team as well as a whole and, and uh, contributing to uh, what we're trying to do. And, and I, I hope, uh, you know, if, if people like what they heard today, then I hope that they join us in, in Chicago for Faith Forward 2015. And again, that's going to be April 20th to the 23rd. Uh, and it will be at St. James Cathedral in Commons. And you can find out more information at faith-forward.net. And Lily, I will talk to you before then, but uh, I'll definitely see you in Chicago. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it.